is Luke 14, 1 and 7 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. Then, in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of God for the people of God. Lord, let us not just hear your word, but instead we ask your Holy Spirit to open it to our hearts and enliven our lives by it, all for your glory's sake and always in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Al. Al? Al? There you are. I have a question for you, Al. Uh, quick, give me a definition of righteousness. Yeah, it's not an easy question, is it? If someone walked up to you and said, what is righteousness? What would you tell them? How would you define that word? Would you say a short prayer of thanksgiving for smartphones and Google it? What does it mean to live in righteousness? Does it mean living a moral life, trying to do good, being ethical? John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, is well known for many things, one of which is for saying, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as ever you can. Is that righteousness, Mike? Sound pretty good to me. But if somebody even asked me to define it, you know, I'd have to think about it for a bit. It's not an easy word to grasp. And yet the Bible calls us to live 
a righteous life. So what is this thing called righteousness? Well, today we hear a story all about righteousness. It's a, definitely what you call a comparing contrast story. And the contrast here is powerfully clear. Jesus, who loves a party, turns this party into a sparring match. You ever been to a boxing ring? You know, the announcer says, In this corner, weighing in at. Well, it was like Jesus set it up. In this corner, we have the champions, the Pharisees, the scribes, the law, judgment, pride, power, and arrogance and authority on full display, fighting for the best seats in the house, a game of musical chairs without music. And in this corner, we have the challenger, Jesus, love, compassion, humility, relationships over people, relationships over rules, fighting to claim the worst seat in the house. And the thing is, if you update this story to modern times, the story stays exactly the same. Power, position, status. Get that promotion. Get that golden parachute contract. Be a mover, be a shaker. If there's a head table, make sure you are at it. But then there are those who know and live a better way. Colonel Pop was definitely one of those people. He was a full colonel and a commander of the squadron to whom I had been assigned as chaplain. Now, we were gathered early one morning for a squadron meeting. Everybody had to be there no matter their shift. So there were 350 people at least wandering around this room. It was huge. 350 people chatting as they waited for their commander to speak. Before the meeting began, Colonel Pop kind of motioned to me, asking me to come to him. By the way, if a commander asks you to do anything, even it's this, you do it. That's why they're called commanders. But I was stunned by his words when I sat next to him. Chaplain, if you ever see me or hear me do or say anything that makes you think I believe these people work for me and not that I work for them, tell me. He introduced me to servant leadership long before it became a, a, a widely known thing in the world. And he very much took it to heart. If he showed up for work in Indiana, and he usually showed up an hour ahead of everybody else, but if he showed up for work in Indiana, 
and there was snow covering the parking lot, he called civil engineering to get the snow plows on their way, and then he grabbed a snow shovel and started clearing sidewalks so his people could get into the building. When he arrived at this base, his squadron had received a rating of unsatisfactory from the Inspector General team. Two years later, under his command, they missed a rating of outstanding by the slimmest of margins. It was superb leadership. It was servant leadership done very, very well. The world's symbol is a head table. The Christian symbol is a towel and basin. Well, now back to Jesus and this party of the power elite. The Pharisees were concerned with the status of their position at the table. But not only that, they were also concerned about their place at the table in the kingdom of God. Jesus' own disciples weren't any better. Remember, they argued over who would be greatest in the kingdom. Tell us, Jesus, who's going to be sitting at that head table? And two of them asked Jesus to place them, one at his right hand and the other on the left hand. Power position, seats of authority. And with just a few sentences, Jesus makes everyone in the room very uncomfortable. Don't seat yourself at the head table, which is exactly what they all tried to do. Seat yourself at a lower table, a lesser table, something none of them ever tried to do. When you throw a party, don't invite those who will invite you in return, something they always did. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, something they never did. I mean, the Holy Groom of Heaven was changing all of the rules. Try to take a seat at the head table at the heavenly feast, and you will be moved by the host, God. In fact, you Jews reject the invitation, so now that banquet is open to all people. Anyone who accepts the groom's invitation. As usual, Jesus was turning everything upside down. He was serving up a whopping-sized piece of humble pie. That's really a thing, by the way. Did you know that? Humble pie? 
back in medieval England, the nobility were able to eat the good cuts of meat from a deer. But the poorer people had to eat a meat pie filled with less desirable cuts, the heart, the liver, the intestines. These parts of the deer were called umbles. A noble person never stooped to eat umble pie. In fact, it would be considered humiliating, humiliating to even be served umble pie. That's why some people in England and in the United States still pronounce humble as umble because those stories get mixed. These verses are a grand lesson in humility. Jesus is putting us on notice. Serve without any hope of recognition or reward. Don't seek glory for yourself, but only for the Lord our God. I mean, have you ever watched, walked into a church where there was a brass plaque on everything? I've walked into a couple of churches where there were so many brass plaques, I thought at first it was glowing with the gold halo of God himself. And then I look closer, and there is a brass plaque on everything. The pews, the windows, the candlesticks, the altar. My, my favorite story to, to, to use is to say I went into one church. <coughs> Excuse me. I went into one church, and they had an old adding machine. One with a crank handle, one with a little spool of paper. This thing was an antique. Should have been thrown out years ago. But the people wouldn't do it. Can you guess why? It had a brass plaque on it, given in memory or in honor of somebody. We can't throw that out without the family's permission. So they had kept it for decades past. It's out of due date. Don't tell anyone. About midnight one night, I was over at the church, and I said, you know, I'm going to do something with that adding machine. And to protect the innocent, I did. And everybody at church, church council said, we can't believe someone would come in there and clean out the adding machine and this and that and that. And on the way out, they all came up to me individually and whispered, thank you, thank you, thank you. Giving praise to someone other than God. Seeking it yourself. We still do that, don't we? Glory in the eyes of men or glory in the eyes of God. Humility to take the lowest seat and wait to be recognized by Jesus and hear, well done, my fine and faithful servant. Humility. 
and celebrating that we have a place at all at the party. It's way in the back, behind a pillar, next to the noisy kitchen where we get hit in the back every time the kitchen door swings open. And we thank God for it. Oh, wait. I never answered that question about what is righteousness. Or did I? Amen.